This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, February 3rd, wherever and however you're connected, Wonderful to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Super Bowl Week fashionista, Jerem Jordan. I give that to Andy Reid, so homie knows a good Hawaiian shirt, and uh, apparently Tommy Bahama is sponsoring him this week. This is a picture from uh, Media Day uh, with su- the Super Bowl, and he's on Zoom, and he always wears a Hawaiian shirt to the uh, you know the coaches' meeting in Hawaii that they typically have. Everyone's like kind of dressed up a little bit, and then there's uh, Andy Reid, our boy and he's got that mustache, you know, the Wilford Brimley look. It's, it's good. It's awesome, man. We love uh, some Andy Reid. Most people know Andy Reid, but do you know Randy Reid, played by Eric Stone Street, yeah, Randy Reed, the though. fictional younger brother of Andy Reid? <laughs> a couple of years ago, the Chiefs teamed up with Randy Reid and had him come and that hang out of practice. That was funny. Yeah, uh, I, I'm guessing that Randy likes the Tommy Bahama shirts as well. Hey, even the great Andy Reid can appreciate this show lineup today. It begins with an eye-opening look at what BYU football brings back in 2021, both in on-the-field production and what the Cougars bring back with return missionaries. National Signing Day presents the perfect time to discuss which BYU newcomers could make an impact this upcoming season. ESPN College Football Insider Bill Connery joins us. Connolly, sorry, joins us live to discuss why BYU could certainly use some impact newbies. Plus, so long San Diego for BYU basketball. Cancellations abound. Is that a good thing in a roundabout way for the Cougars to not play the Toreros? We'll discuss. Bring on your Wednesday BYU Sports Nation headlines. It's National Signing Day for football. There are no new signees. We always signed all of them in December. It was awesome. We did a uh, big show for it. Notably, there are a bunch of return missionaries that uh, are being discussed and announced. We'll get to that later in the show. Highlighted by tight end Dallin Holker, receiver Chase Roberts. And uh, later in the show, coming up, we'll go through that list. There's some guys who could make an impact this season. Absolutely. Things not classy in San Diego. The BYU Basketball San Diego Series officially canceled in a fitting Groundhog Day turn of events, BYU traveled to San Diego again, or at least attempted to, only to have the game not happen again. USD is now on a COVID program pause until February 18th. Thus, no games for BYU with the Toreros this season. Now BYU travels to Portland for a Thursday night showdown with the Pilots, 7 p.m. Eastern time tip. Lenardi uh, with... Some fresh bracketology out. Just the kind of last teams in, last teams out. You're still clear of that, uh, so good. Uh, Utah State is the fourth team out. So root for the Aggies to climb in. That will help BYU. Tom Homel told us a couple years ago, they look at teams that are in the bracket, in their bracket, and BYU's record. So you want more teams in the bracket. Let's go. Sure. Women's Tubes loses to number 19, Gonzaga, 63-56. Cougars tied the game at 54 with two minutes left, but uh, Gonzaga went on a run and uh, pulled away. Paisley Harding led the Cougars with 17 points. BYU hosts Pepperdine tomorrow, 7 Eastern, on the BYU TV app. BYU erased a 14-point deficit in Spokane. That's tough to do, but as you pointed out, Jerem, tied it, just couldn't quite climb the hill, and it's so often the case for teams like that on the road. How about some new track and field rankings? The BYU women jumped 16 spots 
to number eight in the USTF CCCA poll following that distance medley relay performance. Men's track and field in at number 17, and of course, cross country in the latest poll there. The men number two, the BYU women number three. All four of those teams in the top 20. And it's interesting, the track and field, indoor and cross country, are kind of going at the same time because those are the same athletes for the distance runners. That's, that's uh, a challenge. Well done, Mr. Ed Stone. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Out of 127 teams rated, because 127 teams played college football in the COVID season of 2020, BYU, according to ESPN's Bill Connolly, comes in dead last in overall returning production. Zach Wilson, gone. Dax Milne, gone. Matt Bushman, gone. Brady Christensen, gone. Matt didn't play, so yeah, no production. On the defensive side, Troy Warner, Kyrus Tonga, Zane Anderson, Isaiah Kafusi, gone, 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 gone. Yeah, there's a lot to replace. And so when you look at these numbers from Bill Connolly, Jerem, and you see BYU dead last in returning production, <laughs> how does this alter your expectations for the 2021 BYU football season. BYU will go 0-12. No, that's not what it means. That's not what it means. It actually doesn't alter my expectations whatsoever. Um, it, it's uh, And Bill will join us coming up. We'll talk about it with him. But yes, BYU doesn't return a lot of people. Returning people that played doesn't mean you're going to be good. What if those people stink? You're just going to stink again. Well, but the BYU players that are leaving clearly did not stink, at least in 2020. I'm speaking generally to his numbers, not specifically to Brigham Young. Um, Yes, BYU loses a lot of guys. Therefore, BYU will take a step back, naturally and predictably. Um, I'm expecting kind of 7-5. and Uh, The average BYU team the last several years against a schedule like this, 7 P5s in Boise State, obligatory Hank Bachmeyer reference. I feel like 7-5 and is probably the starting point, right? If BYU wins eight, uh, hey, that's, that's solid uh, you know, against that kind of schedule. Now, there aren't world beaters on the schedule. BYU can win more of those than fewer of them. Only at USC feels like the real right. big challenge. And my issue's never been with the individual games. It's been the volume and how they're stacked together and when and where and why and whatnot. So, yeah, I, no, I, these do not affect my perception of how BYU will do. I don't think BYU is going to do worse because of this. I've known that Zach Wilson and Brady Christensen Dexman aren't going to come. I still think 7-5. So it doesn't really affect it. Listen, BYU's choosing to play hard schedules, and there's not a lot of production coming back um, from certain positions. But you still have Tyler Algier. You still have some talent offensive linemen. You have Gunnar Romney. You have uh, some guys coming off missions that you like. You have Isaac Rex making catches like that in the end zone. Defensively, there's a bunch of linebackers still back. D-line needs to replace Kyrus Tonga and Zach Don. Brackenell Bakri secondary loses some real experience with Troy Warner and Chris Wilcox. So there are some answers to be had there. So I, I'm unaffected by the lack of returning production because BYU hopes it reloads. A rebuild is like, yeah, let's, we were 4-9 and nine and now we want to go 7-6. Uh, and six. You know, That was that. That's not this situation. Let's rehash the grading criteria, which we initially brought up on Monday this week with Blaine Fowler. The returning quarterback pass yards equate for 29% of the grade that Connolly puts forth in terms of returning production. So you lose Zach Wilson, there's 29% of your grade. Running back yards or returning rush yards in general, only 5%, Jerem. So Tyler Algier, Lopini Katoa, and people are like, oh, we got those guys back. It's only 5% of the grade. 
We're going to ask him why that number is so low as he figures these things out. Wide receiver and tight end receiving yards, 34%. 34, so he values passing a lot. Yeah, goodbye over 1,000 yards from Dax Milne, right? So a significant hit right there. But what Bill really can equate for is what BYU brings back off of a mission in the form of Dallin Holker, who Mm -hmm. was productive as a freshman. It's too much to keep track of, oh, what was – that we, number three years ago for barely, BYU. We barely keep track exactly. of it. We see the return missionaries and we go, oh yeah, that guy. I'm not going to hold Bill Connolly to, well, you're overlooking Dallin Holker. I would I would if his, he went by William. If it was William, I would. <laughs> but it's Bill. Then the returning offensive line snaps. Chandon Herring and Brady Christensen are Christen a huge yeah. knock. Tristan Hodges didn't play as much as we had hoped he would with injuries yeah. and whatnot. But, yeah, like half to. I mean, they're... But Blaine Fowler outlined on Monday, he feels like the offensive line is not going to take as far back of a step as you might think, even though they lose three significant contributors. That's the hope, because you lose uh, Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos, and a first-team All-American. Gulp. Uh, But there's a lot of talent in that room. BYU's developing that room the way it should be. And so that's exciting. And you have some guys uh, coming off missions, uh, you know, like like Tyson Lewis and Brock Gunderson and Campbell Barrington that in a couple of years will make an impact. I, it's not built for a uh, return missionary to just come in right away and bang, they play. It's like, no, no, you redshirt and you eat a lot and work out a lot. So to double down on these numbers, clearly Bill Connolly values the returning quarterback pass yards, returning offensive line snaps, and returning wide receiver, tight end, receiving yards the most. It's not about Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa. The funny thing is, we probably feel like the running back room is the best suited to keep going next season, right? Based on returners. Yes, and it's going to be a real challenge because you go from playing zero power fives to seven now, so it's going to be a different challenge in the trenches. Like I don't think BYU is going to produce a 1,000-yard receiver or rusher because because it'll be a little tougher. But if you're in the 800-900 range and your average per carry and average per catch is good and your yards per attempt is good from the quarter, then you're fine. Then then you're good. It's all it's all good. Yeah, look at those weapons. That, like, that feels like a reload, Jerem. That's, that's fine. That's great. That's great. Like Tyler Algier, Lopini Katoa, Gunnar Romney, Isaac Rex, Neil Pau. Just it. We're comfortable with what we know. So if you recognize good play from the year before, you're like, okay, that means it will be equal to or better. Sometimes you take a step back, right? Sometimes Matt Bushman gets hurt in August, and what does that produce? Dax Milne and Isaac Rex. Like, there, people are going to make catches and get rushing yards. How many? We'll see. But there will be individuals who do that. You, it's, it's just whether, like Bill Simmons talks about, somebody's got to score the points in a basketball game. You're, even on the bad teams, you're going to have like a 20-point score. Is that player good, though? Is he just a good player on a bad team? I think BYU has good players on a good team. That's who BYU has. Of note, Bill Connolly's returning production projections for BYU in 2020, coming back with Zach Wilson off another 7-6 and six season, BYU was 43rd overall out of 130 FBS teams. So take that for what you will. I feel like BYU has enough coming back that they're capable of winning eight games. Really, the quarterback battle is going to be the clear dominating storyline over the summer and going into fall camp. Who's, you want, hey, who's you, that guy? Hey, you want to know when spring ball starts? This hasn't been announced. You want, I would you want to know? To. I March love 1st. To. March 1st. Monday, March 1st. Let's go. Absolutely. Uh, so, Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover, let's go. People are saying, Soul Jam Ab. It's like, so, 
Sol Jay's fourth in this list. He really is. He could be a tremendous player, but right now it's the it's those three in the in up front in my opinion. Yeah. It, it seems obvious. Again, I'm looking at the composition of the 2021 schedule and thinking about what BYU brings back and where and when these seven Power 5 opponents will play BYU. Arizona's going to have a new coach. Arizona does not scare me. That game in Las Vegas, I think, well, Arizona, I feel like BYU should win that game. Well, just look at history. BYU is yes. a team that beats Arizona. No, I think BYU should win that game. 08, not motivated, whatever. BYU lost that game. No, that, B- besides that, BYU's beaten Arizona like every 07, year. 16, 18. And one most recently on the road at Arizona to open up the 18 season. So yeah. BYU gets them at their home away from home in yes. Las Vegas. 18 was a 7-6 and six BYU team as well. Come on. Utah in Provo. That's always going to be a huge game. On September game. 11th, by the way. Okay. Arizona State in Provo. Mm-hmm. USF. So three home games because the Legion is a home game. USF <laughs> in Provo. Yep. BYU at Jared, Utah State. Even if Baylor Romney is the starter. Jaron Romney should start the South Florida game. <laughs> <laughs> Boise State in Provo. Jaron, BYU is not going to leave Idaho oh, and Utah until almost November. Yeah. They go to Baylor, which is a team that's coming off a, what, 2-7 and seven season? What is Baylor football going to be? I forgot that a pandemic happened for a second. and was like, 2-7? and seven. How did that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what is Baylor going to be? Washington State? Mediocre Pac-12, but Pullman's yep. always a weird place to play. They always have some we- time offensive playmakers. Just a weird place. Virginia in Provo. Oh, hey, return, on my birthday! The return of Bronco Mendenhall. Happy birthday to me, Bronco! Yes. Dr. Yes. Bob, Kelly Papinga, Mark Atuaya, Garrett Tujay. What's up, boys? Look at all those new coaches. Arizona, yeah. new coach. USF, newer coach. Utah State, new coach. Boise State, new coach. Jaron, BYU is going to have opportunities to win, I think, at least eight games based on yeah. reload. That'd be awesome. That would feel the fantastic. End. Yes, yes. Eight games, that would be awesome. Show, show me. Our question of the day. This based on a national signing day angle. Do you expect more production in football from a true freshman right out of high school or a recently returned missionary when it comes to the BYU football paradigm. Let's hear from you, BYU Sports Nation, in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from at Jerry Amy Mason on Twitter. Two scenarios. Return missionary with college experience versus high school graduate. Return missionary wins. Return missionary with no college experience versus high school graduate. High school graduate wins. So let's put that in context my, my, of Dallin my, Holker. Yeah, my assumption is the, the return missionary has no college experience. Just neither have college experience. They're both available. Who do you kind of expect more from? So I guess Dallin Holker is the outlier there, right? Because he, he played yeah. before his mission and then went. Yeah. Wouldn't a guy that had experience be better than the guy that... Sure. Typically. So no, I, I want to eliminate that from the equation because okay. it's like neither have experience. Who do you expect to be better that year? We'll discuss our opinion coming up a little bit later on this. But there was a former – Kelly Ping actually told us – we asked him this question a couple years ago. He had a really interesting answer uh, about mm-hmm. it, which we'll share a little bit later. Okay, weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, how San Diego did BYU a favor in Hoops. And Bill Connolly of ESPN, he put out those numbers. Why did he have BYU dead last in his returning production – list and what's the deal with not much weight in the running backs room this is BYU Sports Nation 
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Men's Hoops plays at Portland tomorrow. In theory, listen to Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio. Not today, but tomorrow. Uh, at 6 Eastern with Jason Shepard, the game on stadium an hour later as well. Please have a game. Just find a way to tip that ball off and play an actual basketball game. Yes. They, yep. they could go up there and it could not be played. That's a thing. Oh, shoot. We are live in Studio B. It's game on for us with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It's always great to have ESPN's Bill Connolly, college football insider, expert, and writer, joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline once again. Bill, how's life in a world where EA Sports college football is returning? It might be like three years from now, but it was still just great to have the buzz back uh, to to re- to remind ourselves what could be. I guess so. That was that was good. I appreciate them doing that. We can use all the optimism we can get right now. Let the debates continue about who deserves to be on the cover. A topic for another day, that's for sure. Hey, we just outlined your numbers and metrics to uh, open up our show today. BYU. 127th, essentially dead last in overall returning production. Should BYU football fans be freaking out, Bill? Well, I mean, if you're expecting another top 10 run, um, you know, this suggests the odds of that aren't amazing. I mean, you could counter with that and say that, you know, they weren't amazing last year at this time last year either. And look what happened. So you can you can lean on that. But right now, I mean, yeah, a lot of the pieces, a lot of the most important pieces of that run are gone. And so it does seem like you're kind of starting a, a new cycle, so to speak, a new a new build, so to speak. Okay, so let's talk about uh, the values within that uh, metric. So you put 29% for pass yards, 5% for rush yards, 34 for wide receiver, tight end receiving yards, 33% for O-line snaps. Why 5% yeah. for rush yards? <laughs> well, okay, first, I mean, we have to think about how many people are on the field for each of these categories. Now, quarterback passing yards at 29%. Yeah, I mean, quarterback is, sure. Uh, I think that's, I think we can all agree that they're, they're important, but basically everybody else, you're looking at what, about seven or 8% per receiver, um, about five, about six or 7% per offensive lineman, and then 5% per running back, more or less. And so it's not that, it looks bad because we're, you know, we're looking at 5% versus 20 or 30%, but really per person, it's not as bad as it seems at the very least, but it is interesting. It does the continuity required at the receiver position seems to mean a lot more. Uh, and, and maybe, you know, you can re, you can replace running backs a little bit easier than you can, you know, a couple star receivers or something. Bill, it's hard not to feel like BYU has entered a full on rebuilding mode and you called it a partial rebuild, but based on those <laughs> metrics and losing the likes of Zach Wilson and Dax Milne, of course, we mentioned the running backs coming back, but in the spectrum, is it closer to a rebuild or is it closer to a reload for BYU? Well, I think the positive spin is, I mean, BYU has been pretty good on the lines and that's where a lot of the production has to be replaced. Zach, I mean, Zach Wilson is, is obviously a different story here. He was really special and we'll see exactly what kind of the more, what a, I guess a replacement level BYU quarterback is capable of, or if the next guy up, whether it's Romney or whoever, if the next guy up can be anywhere near as good. But a lot of the lost production comes on the lines where BYU's been solid through the years. They lose, you know, their top two offensive linemen, top three defensive linemen. But it's been a while since BYU had a bad defensive line. So that would be that would be some of the positive spin I could offer. The another source of of, of continuity typically that, or I should say, another source of, you know 
regression or improvement is the secondary where if you uh, lose a lot of guys, it hurts extra and, and losing the top three uh, guys in terms of snap counts there, that isn't great. But uh, really for me, it comes down to, to the quarterback position. I think the ever, everybody else um, can be replaced at a pretty sufficient level. We just have to see just what the drop-off is once you lose Zach Wilson. And certainly the offseason is full of projections based on the known, right? So what's the connection, in your opinion, between what you're putting out in terms of returning production and then success on the field? Because the uh, variable in this equation is the new guys. The, in Bioy's case, yeah. dude they, dudes they signed two years ago or three <laughs> uh, that went on missions and are coming back that may or may not play a role. Obviously freshmen and right. transfers and whatnot. Yeah, so this ends up being part of the SP Plus projection. It's it's a big part of it, obviously. Um, and it's a very good, if you're really high or really low on the returning production list, it's a pretty good, uh, it's not a guarantee, but it's pretty close that you're going to improve or regress. Um, but it's still only part of the equation. Uh, you know, the SP Plus also takes into effect recent recruiting, not just not just last year or the last couple of years, but kind of a blend of the last three or four years. Um, so, you know, how you've recruited there, it's, it's kind of intended to be the, here's what you lose and here's the caliber of guy you're replacing them with. Uh, and then there's also what I call a program health aspect to it, which is basically just kind of a weighted history of recent seasons. Like one good or bad season is one thing, but if you've, how have you done over the last two, three, four years, that suggests a lot about your program too. So all of those go into effect. Um, so like an Alabama who never ranks high on returning production because they always lose, you know, 12 <laughs> draft picks or whatever, they're still projected in the top two or three the next year. They'll be number one this year, probably. Um, so, you know, it, it all blends together. I, I think what it basically suggests about BYU this year is, you know, you know, we're not looking at collapse here. We're not looking at, you know, suddenly they're going to be 105th, but they'll probably drop back close to where their general averages are in the 30s or 40s, something like that, uh, when it comes to projecting next year. How much did the most recent BYU football season, 11 wins, only one loss, finish number 11 in the AP poll, how did that season affect the national perception of Kalani Satake and BYU football moving forward? Yeah, I, th- I, don't, I don't know what the perception necessarily was before. He was doing fine, all right, fine, some word like that before 2020. Um, and, and I know, you know, I do just enough of, uh, you know, BYU radio or Salt Lake radio that, you know, people weren't amazingly thrilled with how things were going before 2020. Uh, but I think now, I mean, the national perception is, hey, he's doing good. He's fine. You know, maybe maybe they're not nobody's expecting another top 10 run this next season. Everybody knows that Zach Wilson had a lot to do with that. But I think the national perception of BYU is if it had slid, uh, you know, suffered a little bit of a slide over these last few years, maybe since Bronco Mendenhall left, I would say that the perception has at least rebounded to back to where it was four, five, six years ago. Um, it's up to the it's up to BYU, obviously, to do more now. If you can make another top 10 or 15 run in the next couple of years, then I think the perceptions shift dramatically once you've kind of once the same coach has done it twice i think the the perceptions are that you know it's just an assumption at that point that it's a good program and if byu played i don't know three four power fives i I might be like okay there's a chance byu gets to kind of that 10 mark and makes a splash because no one really cares about a single digit win team in the national perception but byu's playing seven uh power fives uh, back to the very aggressive schedules Albeit not a ton of them world beaters, USC at the end looks like the only game where it's like, okay, that's going to be really, really hard. What's your perception of BYU's season, given that they are playing a a more challenging schedule than the non-Power 5 schedule it played in 2020? 
Well, I think it's it's one thing that's interesting is um, Pac-12 could be really solid this year. So it's not necessarily a great year to load up on Pac-12 opponents. Um, <laughs> what the, one of the big takeaways from that returning production piece that we put up this week is just that you know maybe it was because of the the short season or whatever uh, or what have you, but um, most of the Pac-12 is back this coming season. Like eighty, I think the average was something like eighty percent returning production for the Pac-12. Everybody else is in the sixties or low seventies. So uh, you're going to see a situation where you know Utah's borderline top twenty-five team at worst. Arizona State's a borderline top twenty-five team at worst. Obviously, USC, it's kind of hard to figure out if they're a contender or just kind of a top 15 team, but they're still going to be really solid. Washington State could improve a lot uh, because they returned just about all of last year's production. So, I mean, it is a tricky schedule. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I mean, BYU could be a touchdown or so underdog against Utah and Arizona State, a two-touchdown underdog against USC, kind of toss-up games against Baylor and Washington State and Virginia. So, if the quarterback is is not replacement level, if if the quarterback is good, lots of wins on the table there. But it could those projections could go pretty far one way or the other based on the quarterback position. Yeah, incredibly high numbers for the Pac-12, and not surprisingly, eight of the top fifteen teams in your list of returning production yep. are from the Pac-12. There are some new coaches that BYU is going to face, and I, I always kind of give yep. an advantage to the team that brings back an incumbent, a guy that's been there for a long time. But taking all of those things into consideration, Bill, how many games do you expect BYU to win next season out of the 12 regular season games scheduled? I, 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 this is very unsatisfying, I realize, but I do figure you know something in the neighborhood of 7 to 8 is most likely at that's least. That's where you we're at, too. See yeah, I mean, you can easily see how maybe something better could come about. Uh, it's not like the Utah and Arizona State games are out of reach by any means. And USC, I mean, every time we start to realize like we're talking highly about USC, we realize also, you know, it's been a while since we've been right about that. So I mean, <laughs> none of these games are are out of reach by any uh, you know stretch of the imagination. But it is a hard schedule. There's no question about that. So. Uh, you know, if if this is a top thirty team, then I would say eight nine wins is on the table. But if it is merely a top forty or so team, as I think they're going to end up projected next week, then yeah, you're probably looking at something in the seven neighborhood. Okay, so next week you're coming out with some more projections. Is that what you're saying? The S and P plus. The SP Plus uh, 2021 official mega projection, whatever. <laughs> yeah! I think that'll be out Monday Woo! or Tuesday. You heard hey. it here first. Listen, so, the, mo- the moment that comes out, we're like, hey, hey, Bill, uh, put out his SP Plus. Let's, <laughs> let's devour it and see what BYU yep. won't be. No, uh, Zach Wilson, uh, you mentioned it, special season, all-time season. Yep. BYU, there have been a lot of great quarterbacks at BYU. That was as good as almost any season BYU's had, minus maybe Ty Detmer's 90 and Jim McMahon's 80 or something. But – what, what's yeah. your perception of the kind of season he had and uh, your thoughts on, you know, the NFL draft with him? Yeah, it was, it's kind of funny. You always have those guys. We, we just assumed it was Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields. Um, for the last 12 months, we've, we've assumed that that was the 2021 draft. And so a guy like Zach Wilson, who was who you know had that amazing game at the end of his freshman year, he was hurt his sophomore year, his numbers weren't amazing, kind of knew he'd be around, didn't know he'd be so good that he'd declare early, didn't know he'd be so good that he'd declare early and potentially be a top five pick. So it was definitely... 
Um, I, it, I mean, it was an incredible season and it, it's hard to say it was any of the hype is unjustified. You see the arm, you see the, you know, 70, whatever percent completion rate. Um, he, he kind of backs it up. It isn't a case where we're just basing it solely on arm strength or something. Uh, he, he has, you know, he was a starter for the better part of what, two and a half years. Um, it's kind of a complete resume and it's funny too, because I have to, I, there were times when I had to remind myself that he was really good. I, I found myself tapping the brakes a lot in the fall, uh, reminding everybody that Tyler Algier is also really, really good because I felt like he was getting overshadowed. Uh, having that ridiculously strong run game to lean on helped Zach Wilson immensely. But, um, you know, being that Algier is not in the draft and Wilson is, it's time for me to st- speak more highly of Wilson again, I guess. Bill, we appreciate the time. Looking forward to your SP Plus projections, the the mega projection or whatever you're going to call That's it. Right. Uh, when and how do uh, our listeners and viewers find that when it comes out along with the rest of your material? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I tweet everything. That's probably still the best way to, to put everything together. Like, obviously, you know, the SP plus projections will be on the front page of the, you know, the college football site of the ESPN and all that, but, uh, ESPN underscore bill C everything ends up, uh, promoted there a couple of times at least. So that's probably the best place. Bill, thanks for the time, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Yep. Bill Connolly of ESPN on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I like his stuff. Uh, I think he provides a different perspective. He crunches different numbers. Um, Listen, again, if it's inconvenient or negative, it should not necessarily be dismissed. In fact, the BYU doesn't bring back a ton of production. In fact, the least amount of anybody in college football, according to him, of the teams that played. That's okay. Uh, because we know who BYU has come back and what they can do. And he's in the same range as us, generally. He just generally. validated all that, exactly. Right. He said that he, he expects BYU to be a top 40, top 50 team to win seven, and eight, seven or eight games in top spite of the goal. being dead last in production returning. Yeah, to me, top 40 is the goal, realistically, if you're going to play these kind of schedules. Okay, coming up, 16 return missionaries. Who are they? Cougar football, who's in school already and here for spring ball. And how many of the final six scheduled games... Will BYU basketball actually play? Let's look into the crystal ball. Seek out the BYUSN Oracle. This is BYU Sports Nation. We're going to guess who's going to pause with COVID? Maybe. <laughs> this segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. After the longest offseason ever recorded, mm. the top-ranked BYU men's volleyball team, led by National Player of the Year, Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, begins the season tomorrow night. Number 8, UCLA. Number one BYU, nine Eastern on BYU TV. Mask up for the rivalry. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Okay, they're wearing masks for the match. So Pac-12, Pac-12 teams are requiring the road teams, which they're in the MPSF men's volleyball, so that's fun, to wear masks a week before they play and during the matches. BYU is going to play Pepperdine next week with no ma- with no mask on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's a crazy world. Game right? to game. And, and you got to talk about what works for your team and your league and whatnot. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. You mentioned the top-ranked BYU men's volleyball team. As of just a few moments ago, BYU men's volleyball is now not the only top-ranked team on campus, Jerem. Give it up for BYU men's cross-country. The defending national champions out of 2019 are number one again after winning their most recent race and taking down the previous number one rival Northern Arizona. Cross-country was so good that they didn't even hold the national championship last year. BYU just held it for a second season. Yeah. And there was a pandemic. Let's make that a thing. Let's make them back-to-back. Back-to-back. 2019-2020 national champs. Back to champs. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. Because they didn't win the second one. And women's cross-country won the same event the men were at, and they took down several 
higher ranked teams than they were uh, that they were facing. They're number two. So we have number one volleyball, number one men's cross country, number two women's cross country. Well, pioneers came across the plains, and at times they were running. I think it's in our DNA. We just keep running. Just keep going. Just get, we're runners. Okay. We're, Is we're BYU flyers, a running school? runners, passers through the air, flyers, the cougar ballers, <laughs> the cougar whip around. Also Go. number one, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Jim, let's whip it, man. Is not playing San Diego in men's hoops a blessing? Yes, it really <laughs> Amen. is. Amen. Uh, to <laughs> not play the number 254 Thank you. team or whatever they are on the net rankings today twice will not only help BYU's resume by not dragging down that number, but, Jerem, it also opens up more dates for BYU to potentially get the USF game in because That's still now BYU is not playing on February 13th. And St. Mary's was supposed to be BYU on the 11th, but they're in COVID protocol. In theory, pause. they should be out by then. So these openings, I feel like, are going to grant BYU more opportunity to play the high-level games that we want to see them play, and now they don't have to play the worst team in the league twice. Well, Portland's worst team in the league, but yes, second to worst team. Um, yeah, it's 251, so massive jump of three spots in San Diego. No, this is a blessing because, listen, this is the second time that San Diego has, has canceled San Diego women's, by the way, um, couldn't play Saturday against BYU. And then they played Monday at Portland. So what? Was, was it BYU with the COVID issue? Or was it, but played two, I'm confused why that happened. So, yeah, it's San Diego and BYU maybe not getting along right now with the whole COVID thing. Hopefully they get better and they're okay. That's first and foremost. By the way, the resume update for Brigham. Up one in net, same in Ken Palm, minus two in BPI, plus three in KPI, same in strength of record in Sagarin. So BYU holding steady. I would love for BYU to be low 30s. If BYU's in the 20s, it's like single digit for sure. BYU uh, is in the low 30s, according to Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. They're the 34th team, which has them firmly on the nine seed line. Yeah, and low 30s in three of those six. So I, I'm hoping that in net, that's primarily what I'm talking about. And then Bracketology, uh, ESPN, 9 seed, as you mentioned, 34th overall. Cats, 10 seed. Bracket Matrix, 9. Team rankings, 9. So, you're kind of holding steady in our uh, worst-case scenario here um, of actually getting in, which is an 8-9. The worst case, BYU didn't make it. Couldn't exactly help themselves by playing either San Diego game. You're expected yeah, to dominate those games. If you don't, then it kind of makes you look bad. But not, so not playing those games... Helps. It yeah, really does. I'm fine with it. Honestly, I am. I, I'm annoyed that it gets canceled day the of. Yes. They go all the way there yeah, and don't play the game again. Yeah, that's tough. Like, is there any rule like you reimburse the other team if you have a COVID issue? And then charter a in? flight. Like, it's expensive. Yeah. Of the final six games that are currently scheduled on the BYU basketball schedule, how many will be played, Jerem? Oh, Crystal ball time. We're, we're guessing it. Who's going to pause? Uh, St. Mary's, Santa Clara, Gonzaga at home, Portland Pacific, LMU away, and then San Francisco lingering. I'll go four of the seven. I'm just guessing there's another issue with teams from California. Wait, four of the six? Four, four of the seven. Seven. Yeah. San Francisco's lingering. Oh, gotcha. You're including yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, it's a game that they're going to look to reschedule. Because of San Francisco, I'm going to go that BYU will play at least five more regular season games. I think they'll figure out a way to do that with the openings provided by San Diego. And hopefully BYU doesn't have its own issues with, with COVID. It hasn't yet. That's a blessing. BYU, listen, BYU's not exempt from this, but 
it was during the summer, and then they've done spacing, and so that if someone was exposed, that they can isolate that person out. Like, sure. It, and honestly, if the majority I, of your team has already had it, we don't know, but maybe the most well, of the BYU has already had it. And not everyone's saying exactly how they handle it. So my perception is that certain teams, specifically in California, it's like if there's one person that has any issue, they're just like, we're done. I don't know that, but that's the sense I get. Feels that way. Whereas BYU is seeking to play in a safe way where it's like, well, that guy wasn't exposed to anybody else. He was wearing a mask, never six feet, blah, blah, blah. So, Like, can you make that work? BYU has successfully done that in football and men's basketball so far. Yes, the state of California handling COVID is very different than most of the other states, which takes us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Of the 18 NCAA basketball teams currently on COVID pause, five are from the West Coast Conference. Five of the 18 teams nationwide. Half the league. One conference. Yes, half of the league is on pause. Yeah, and and I don't think that they're all on the same. I don't know this. It doesn't feel like they're all on the same page with how they're handling it. So that's why five of the teams... All from California. They're all in California. Uh, are on pause. And we hope for the best for everybody. Yeah. No doubt. And, and I'm not saying what's right and wrong. I'm just saying it feels like there's, it's different. I'm not saying what BYU is doing is better than what California is doing. But I will add, BYU has not missed a game. And it's being safe. So what's the difference? I wonder how team rankings manages all these postponements. Because it was, hey, got to win 21 games, but now they've had a few postponed, so can it be 19 regular season games? Well, that was out of 27 regular, right? Plus the turning. Okay, coming up, the EA Sports game you never knew you needed as a BYU fan. And the returnees for BYU football, return being the impactful word there, and the impact we think they'll have. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Women's Hoops looks to bounce back from the Gonzaga loss last night. Pepperdine at home, Thursday night, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. It is National Signing Day across the country. It feels like the first Wednesday in February has been largely replaced by the late December signing period, at least least for BYU. For BYU. BYU announced 16 signees in December. 14 of those are mission-first guys. But now the return missionaries from a couple of years ago oh, yeah, are coming you guys. back and into play. So let's take a look at the essentially 2019 class, Jerem, that is now going to hopefully make an impact in 2021. Starting with Dallin Holker, a guy who played a season, had an impact for BYU at tight end, was really good. We're in that classic number 32 that I know you love so L- much, Listen, Jerem. we need a good 32 to play at BYU. It'd be about time. Okay, so he returns uh, along with two other tight ends, Ethan Erickson. Donovan Hanna is Max Hall's guy yep. from Arizona. Yep, ALA. Yep. And then the four-star receiver from American Fork High School, Chase Roberts. I like Chase a lot. I like all these guys. Uh, Chase is going to be a baller. He's, he's going to be a Gunnar Romney type. You wonder... How many of these guys will actually see the field and make an impact? I guess it just depends on well, they saw when, the mission field. when they return, right? I mean, yeah, if, you, if they're yes. coming back in the spring. Uh, yeah. Holker uh, had a chance to play this season if he wanted, but he chose to go back out. Everyone kind of came home with COVID at times, right? Chase Roberts will be here later. Uh, Erickson later. And Hannah's here right now. Hannah's in school. Okay. Yeah. So how does that factor into it? On to the linebackers and some defensive backs. Michael Daly. Is David Nixon watching somewhere? 
Isn't this... Uh, David watches every second of this program. Isn't this one of his nephews? It is. Lone Peak High School linebacker? Yeah. John Henry Daly's older brother. He'll be back in uh, for fall camp. Isaac Matua. And then Talon Alfrey, who got a haircut, unfortunately. I, man, I, I wish... Did he have to for the mission? I wish he could did, did he? <laughs> he could play it behind that those locks. Those that covered amazing. in the safety zone? Or? It's Caleb Loner style. Matua's here. Alfrey's here. Alfrey gets some PT this year. He really okay. could. Okay. He's a baller. Dean Jones is here. Dean Jones, he can walk into any school on campus and be like, yo, I'm Dean Jones. They're like, hey, here's your office. Let's do, go. Do what you need. Dean Jones, let's go. Five defensive linemen, Jerem, starting with Cade Albright. He's a fall camp guy. Josh Larson. Yep. Brooks Miley was a guy that the BYU coaching staff was very high on, very excited about, a guy out of southern Utah in Pine View High School. Then Bruce Mitchell and John Nelson. So some significant depth to the defensive line, and frankly, BYU needs it. If BYU, if you're going to play D-line at BYU, you have to be at least 6'4", maybe 6'5", <laughs> uh, and then you have a shot, right? Kate Albright's pretty light for a defensive lineman, that, but he's tall. So do you, is he a linebacker later? Like what, you know? What's what's the situation there? But yeah, these these guys are hopefully part of a crew that re, uh, can help reload in the next couple of years on the D line. Where that's a that's a place where BYU needs to get better. They've been good, but BYU has yet to produce a great D line under Kalani Satake. And Kalani's calling card up at Utah was great D lines. So I'm looking forward to this group developing. And finally, now to the offensive line and one skill position player, the running back. Linebacker Oliver Nasilai. Okay, this guy's film, he was like destroying fools. Yes. I was like, like, is that legal? Like, he hit so <laughs> hard. Okay, I'm excited about Oliver Nasilai. Ah, uh, the Barrington brothers so, are in effect. So, Campbell Barrington. Um, Along with like, Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Brock Gunderson, Tyson. Like, these guys are ready to freaking wreck fools. Okay. They eat pancakes, they produce pancakes on the field. I. I love who BYU's bringing in on the O-line. Tyson Lewis was coached by one of my close friends, Matt Hammer, at Weber High School. And the day that he signed with BYU, Matt texted me and said, I don't think you understand what kind of an all-star that you're getting. Like, I know that the coaches are excited about him, but he said he, he's, I'll, he's like, I, I will take you out to dinner. I will buy you whatever meal you want if he is not a significant starter for at least three years. He feels oh, that wow. high about Tyson okay. Lewis. So we'll give him a redshirt year. We'll give him a freshman year to get yep. it. So he needs so- sophomore year on. Okay. I look forward to that. Uh, Tyson's from Eden, Utah. Why would you leave Eden? Why would you leave if you're Eden? I mean, that, that, well, Adam was forced out, Ben. <laughs> Couldn't just stay there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Ben's like, Adam did. Oh, yeah. Can't, you can't just stay there. You got to go to Adam on Diamond. I like right now, it's just a bunch of fields. I- I love so much that we're discussing this, one, and two, that we review the return missionaries. This I, is something listen. unique to BYU. Yes, which brings us to this topic, which is a really interesting one. Let's discuss. Big Deal, No Deal, presented by BYU Food to Go. Big the, Deal, No Deal. The MVP of your next event, which brings us to our question. This event. Is BYU having 17 return missionaries a bigger deal then the 16 signees out of high school back in December. Where do you lean? Well, generally speaking, uh, you know, that back to that conversation, our question of the day, which is, okay, neither have experience. Which do you feel like will be more effective, the kids straight out of high school or off a mission? Kelly Papinga, we asked him a couple years ago this question, and he said the high school kid. 
because physically he's just ready. Yes, the return missionary is more mature and has had more life experience, but physically sometimes it takes time. Like if, if Ch- I don't know when Chase Roberts gets home from his mission, but if it's June, I don't expect him to do jack squat on the team because physically it takes like a year yeah. to get back. And if you push that too much, you might have a Chris Collinsworth situation where he injures his ankle and then his knee kind of gets hurt because his ankle's uh, injured and is trying to get... And then Chris, unfortunately, didn't flourish to as good as he could have been because he got hurt after his mission. And I was like, dang it, because Chris was awesome. We've had a few of those over the years. Kalani Sataki acknowledges that it takes time to get these guys yes. back. So I, I think it's the high school kids that come straight in because, yes, they're raw, but like physically they've been playing football the last two years and they can, they can jump in there and do some stuff. The return missionaries need a moment, physically. They just do. And I can't, I can't actually uh, empathize with that because I'm not that good of an athlete. But oh, historically, that's what it seems like. In fact, just reading the tea leaves of Coach Satake's comments about the return missionaries, is that a word of wisdom? he would almost prefer that they just sit out a full year and get right. Yes. Yes, and... and, and um, Maybe yeah, like Campbell Barrington was a gray shirt last year. Some of these might have gray shirt. Let's Some tell of you them about have that. Had their year. Let's tell you about that. Gray shirt is basically they don't enroll, but they can work out. Okay, they they're not like their clock doesn't start. It's a thing that programs do. Um, and and you can so Tanner Mangum actually did this one semester before his mission, and then he went on his mission a little later. So he like was you know then he redshirted before his mission, and then he went on a mission. So. It, it kind of depends. You have the gray shirt, you have red shirt. There's actually a blue shirt, which I heard about last year or two years ago with USC, and I was like, what is a blue shirt? What does BYU <laughs> have this? I don't know. But for especially for the O-linemen, like, I wouldn't expect a single O-lineman to come in right away and play. If you do, you're really legit, like super legit. You're good, and you've probably had some time to transition back. I would rather have time for you to, uh, you know, take a moment. Like, it's interesting, the role of return missionaries in BYU athletics now as well. There is space for, obviously, the good athlete who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Jason Ayu and Jack Timoney have talked about how that's important. We need to get the best athletes who are members of the church. But there's space for a ton of other kinds of people. Not only uh, you know, the, the Utah types who tend to be white and a member of the church, but for everybody. Like I love that Brandon Averett is a huge part of BYU basketball. He's black. He's from Dallas. Not a member of the church. Love it. Love it. Matt Harms, international guy, not a member. Alex Barcelo, not a member. Like the three leaders, that that's great. I love that there's this diversity because BYU's not getting the best members of the church who are out there. It's a bigger pool to play with now. It is. Stanford's a threat. Alabama can get kids. Uh, obviously, Utah has taken a leap up. Washington, uh, you know, with, with different guys and whatnot. USC, obviously. It's a different world, but if but BYU, there's a place for all kinds of people at BYU. I think a long time ago that wasn't necessarily the case. Maybe that's changing a little bit based on what BYU was able to sign in December with the likes of Raider DeMooney and Logan Fano, two LDS highly recruited guys that are both four stars. That was an encouraging sign for this yes. staff. Yes, Raider I felt like was going to come here. Logan was the one that was in question, and he did. And it's awesome. And listen to me. 
you can still do it with good members of the church, but you need a mix of all kinds of people. Absolutely. Uh, if BYU doesn't get the best members of the church, BYU's never going to be like a really good program in basketball or football. So that's an important key and the most important one. But there's a place for everybody. That's the point I want to make. Yeah. I don't even think I answered the question. So let me do that very <laughs> quickly. It's a bigger deal to me to have the signees coming back because they're the people that are actually going to be in play. It just That's how it works at BYU. Oh, well, I'm assuming those high school kids are on the team as well. Okay. In this conversation. Yeah, I don't expect a high school kid who doesn't play at BYU to have an impact on the team. <laughs> All okay. right, we move on. Coming up, your next favorite sports game. Sweet. You didn't know that you needed. Plus, Andy Reid for the win, not just because of his wardrobe. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation, available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Download the pod. You can Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Our question of the day. Do you expect more production in football from a true freshman right out of high school or a recently returned missionary? In response, our Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Jay Law Smith on Twitter says... I think it totally depends on the player. Zach Wilson took command of the huddle as an 18-year-old freshman. Jake Heaps did not. He always looked like 12-year-old brother playing with the high school kids, speaking of Zach. Generally, athletically, 18-year-old mentally return missionary. Oh, that's about Jake Heaps? He's going to be on Ninja Warrior. Come on, man. Today's rise and shout-outs. the shaved head. That's a, yeah. Presented by Mountain like America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Okay, uh, <laughs> someone tweeted uh, about, you know what game I can't wait for to come out? The EA Steeplechase yeah. 2009 with BYU's, uh, you know, winning team that year. That's our guy Rich Nelson at the, the BYU store. Yeah, Rich Nelson. Former nice. BYU athlete. Let's go, yeah, Rich. Kyle, Kyle Perry won the Natty that year. And his brother Brandon's the guy that... The youth fan that pushed the tackle the BYU cheerleader in 97, yes. 99? My rise and shout-out goes to Andy Reid, who doesn't have to <laughs> yell and scream to coach his players. He said, you know, I'm a teacher. I want to help them become better men and husbands. Screaming is not always the way to do that. Our thanks to today's guest, Bill Connolly. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. For Jeremy Spencer, shout-out to Steve Trumbo. Stay tuned for Mark Pope and BYU Basketball next.